The Waddle and Sylvie podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up using promo code WMVP at sportsbook.draftkings.com. By the way, we over there bobbing around. Yeah, yeah, you finding the beef? Yeah. You find, finding the beat over there? Did I say finding the beef? <laughs> not, finding the beef? Hey, Are you, you finding not, the beef? Hey, over you there? found the beef finding over the here. Beef? No, no. I think I'm hungry. Do what you are you one of those pizzas? There's like, I was look, I was expecting to go into the freezer today and find just a, a Connie stack of Connie. Oh, really? Like the? Do you that, remember when all coupons. the boxes were lined out? Yeah, oh yeah. And they were showing them. They were all empty. They were props. I thought that those were oh, real pizzas really? that they were going to put in the freezer I afterwards. Some, I got some coupons for you. That's not doing me any good uh, right now. I know. Well, I have a growling in my stomach. All right. Well, we get some we'll get some food for Waddle. Waddle Waddle's hungry. We need to order some food for Waddle. Uh, which opener was more embarrassing? This is a good place to start with Courtney, too, by the way. Uh, the Bears or the Bulls? We've had over 2,000 people vote. It's brought to you by your local Chicagoland Toyota dealers. Courtney's a big Bulls fan, too, isn't she? She's a big sports fan in general. So, yes. How, how did you vote, Waddle? Um... You know, I didn't vote yet, so I'm I'm still contemplating my vote. This is a tough one. This is a really good question because I still believe that the loss to the Green Bay Packers was more embarrassing than the loss to the Kansas City Chiefs because the Packers came to town. I'm going to go with the Packers. Okay. Despite I, the fact that tells you how much I felt downtrodden by that loss because, as I told you, I have never in the history of my 56 years on this planet heard that a team at any level – in any sport, had to have a player's only meaning after one game. And for that reason, I voted for the Bulls because the the Bears' loss was a worse loss, but embarrassing being the key word. Like the the team only meeting, uh, getting into it on the sideline with the coach, vooching him. As far as the pure embarrassment and the circus tent, can't hate you for going that direction. That's the reason I went there. But like, I was more pissed at the Bears. For what happened, I was just I, I just thought that that was awful the way they played. Um, let's ask Courtney Cronin right now, who's brought to you by Purple Wave Auction. She joins us right now on the Car X Tire and Auto Hotline. Courtney, which uh, opener was more embarrassing in your mind? Oh my God, it was the Bulls. I turned that game off in the third quarter. I said, <laughs> I'm not wasting a perfectly good Wednesday night when I could be watching Housewives instead of watching Vooch and Billy Donovan go at it. What were they, 12 of 42 from three? And the reason I'm going here, because we expected the Bears to be better this year from the start. Like, their rebuild was supposed to take another step. The Bulls did nothing in free agency. They didn't have a first-round draft pick. We expected another year of mediocrity. But for it to look like it did last night, I know Oklahoma City, they're a good team. They've been building towards this. I think they're going to be a threat in the West this year, but my God, like just watching that and seeing the level of dysfunction. And I'm with you guys, like to, to hear the news that like Billy Donovan just kind of opened the door on that, you know, the players had a meeting by themselves without coaches. Um, maybe they're discussing, you know, how they can get a new coach in there because like, it just, there's some weird stuff. Like, I mean, like they did Billy Donovan's contract extension under, like, uh, they kept it under wraps last year, like, right around this time. Remember that news yes. came out? It's like, oh, he was extended, like, three weeks ago. Like, surprise. Um, 
this season's going nowhere fast. And no, I know this sounds like overreaction, one game out of 82, but I'm not watching fourth quarters of Bulls games this year. Yeah. I'm not doing it because I did that to myself all of last year, and it like resulted in consistent dis- disappointment. I don't care that they had one win against the Bucks in the postseason. I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. So like, I'm just, I'm over it. I'm not. I, I'm. 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 That takes the cake for me, and I and I'm curious to see what the votes are on your guys' uh, Twitter account. Well, the funniest thing I heard, or the most disturbing thing I heard, was Luke Getzey was blamed for the Bulls' offensive problems. Ah, last night. very good. Wait till we that's, get together. That's what I thought was most most uh, ridiculous. The Bears fans are, are rallying around the Bears on this being more, more embarrassing. Seventy point two percent of the vote. Going with the way Waddle voted, saying the Bears opener was more embarrassing. 29.8% going with what we voted for, Courtney, with the Bulls. And again, I like just focused more on that embarrassing word. Yeah, I just, the way that it unfolded last night, at least in the opener, like for the, for Chicago, for the Bears, you know, in September 10th, I don't know. They were never in that game. And it just felt like from the very jump, Green Bay came out and punched him in the mouth. Last night, I, it, I was like, did they do anything in the preseason? Did they not sort out any of their issues here? I don't know. The roster stinks. It's not. It has not been constructed well. The team is going nowhere fast. And I love that I can actually be like really honest about this because I don't cover the Bulls on a day-to-day basis the way I cover the Bears, and I can have more of an opinion on it when I have to be aware of what's going on in the league elsewhere because that's what we talk about in Around the Horn. We never get to talk about the Bulls because they're such an embarrassment. Okay. I'm just... I'm frustrated by it. Let's Sorry. pretend that you cover the Bulls and not the Bears. How do you feel? So that's the premise. How do you feel about <laughs> the Bears, truthfully? Pretend Man, that you I, don't I think, cover I the Bears. I think I'm pretty honest. I think okay. I'm pretty honest. You are. I know. I'm joking. I just probably keep it a little bit more uh, tapered and probably a little bit more educated of opinion than the roster stinks. Like I sound like somebody calling in from the south side right now, airing out all of my grievances uh, with AK and Billy Donovan. Yeah. Uh, so as far as the Bears today, we just gave the news about Darnell Wright going from uh, uh, did not practice on Wednesday to being limited today. They've added a toe injury this week. What do you think about him being available for Sunday Night Football? It's good that he went from DNP yesterday to limited. Um, that's you know kind of how things trended last week. He's you know he's practicing and then he's not, and then he's able to go in. I think he was full last Friday and then listed as questionable for the game. But even Matt Eberflus hinted last Friday, which we'll get a chance to talk to him about tomorrow, that he expected Darnell Wright to be okay. So it's going in the right direction now. The one that you got to wonder about, though, is Spraxton Jones coming back to play left tackle this week. They activated his window, or they opened his window on Wednesday. So it's 21 days, and he's been limited the last two days. If he's upgraded to full tomorrow, then he's playing on Sunday. Like that's just so you would not put your starter starting left tackle in in the midst of this window if you didn't think he'd be coming back sooner rather than later. I mean, we saw it with Tevin Jenkins. He was, you know, designated to return and then on that short week to to go against the Washington Commanders, he was activated on game day. So I I anticipate if this goes in the right direction that we'll get that Saturday call up from him coming off injured reserve. And that's good for the offensive line in terms of you know having a starter back there. But it's also good in case Brax, in case Darnell Wright isn't ready to go, because then then you could have Larry Borum play right tackle if worse came to worse. Uh, how con- concerned should Bears fans be about Jaquan Brisker being on the DNP list 
today with an illness. Because I know, if I'm not mistaken, Courtney, Terrell Smith, who is in those defensive back meetings, or has been prior to being hurt, I think has mono, right? Isn't that correct? Yeah, but we've seen him at practice, okay. which so I would imagine if he was if he was like contagious, right. um, he wouldn't be out there. But yeah, it's another day of an illness for Brisker, which I mean, it's got to be a pretty significant illness if it's going to cost him two days of practice during midweek. And you know, it's been tough for him. It feels like he can't catch a break, whether it's this illness thing that's keeping him out. He's had an, about an injury a game um, and has been able to bounce back from it. But, gosh, he just has not been able to play a fully, you know, play a game fully healthy this year. Um, and, you know, now it just seems like another roadblock. But that's, again, it's another one to monitor. I know they've been happy with Elijah Hicks uh, as, a, as a rotational backup. But then again, Eddie Jackson's limited with that foot injury, and I don't know if you can trust him being full go, considering this has been something that's been bothering him in the same foot where he had the Liz Frank last year and didn't have surgery on it. And you just got to wonder, okay, is he is he a step away or planting his foot one plant of his foot away from needing to have surgery? You just hope that that can hold up, but certainly makes things a little bit trickier when you're going against. Even though Justin Herbert has that fracture on his left finger. Uh, left hand on his finger, like in his completion percentage is down. He's thrown more interceptions the last three games than he did the first, uh, the first three. Like it's still something to be concerned about when you have a quarterback who doesn't mind airing it out the way that he does. If your secondary is unhealthy, Courtney, it looks like Roshan Johnson is on track to play on Sunday night. If that's the case, how would you project they will handle the roster and the actives? And then how would they divide up the carries, in your opinion, after both Foreman and Evans played pretty darn well against the Raiders? I don't think you can take the take the ball out of Deontay Foreman's hand right now. Like, I mean, 5.6 yards per carry. He was effective, you know, running the ball, but also in the passing game, too. And that's not an element that he typically – he knows that. Like, he doesn't get involved in that. Those opportunities don't come. They didn't in um, in Carolina. They didn't really did more in Carolina than at any other point of his career. They did not in uh, in Houston. But like that's this is a, probably the trickiest proposition that they have. Not this week necessarily because if Roshan Johnson is good to go, it's probably on a pitch count of sorts, and it's still Deontay Foreman who's getting most of the snaps. Um, they're certainly going to use both of them, but I would imagine those two up, Travis Homer up. And then Darrington Evans down on um, as an as an inactive, but as you go forward here, and you st- if you see these two pick up kind of where the running back group left off last week, a really strong performance, really efficient runs too, like ones that ended up getting them into the red zone, and then the ones that ended up scoring more than the Minnesota game because their stat line looks the same, but we can. And if you take 43 yards out of that Minnesota run game uh, that came from Justin Fields, it just really wasn't didn't do much of anything. But like, what happens when Khalil Herbert's healthy? I know it's a good problem to have when you have all of these running backs, but I just I can't envision a world right now where if Foreman can you know build on what he did this past week, and he's got two more games where Herbert's going to be on IR to prove himself. Like, do you how do you put that player back down as an inactive? Um, just to make room for a player who's coming off, you know, an ankle injury that kept him there for minimum of four games. So it's a good problem to have, but it's, you know, it's, it's certainly one that we want to keep an eye on the next couple of weeks to see what those splits look like. 
to see if Deontay Foreman's able to maintain that level of production, because then you're going to have to figure out, all right, if it is a numbers game, who's up and who's down. Mm-hmm. Speaking of uh, players who are playing well, if Bajan puts together another good game, well, let, let, let's take it uh, back another step. Do you believe after this game we will say, hmm, that's a second good game in a row, or do you say, well, maybe we'll be talking about, okay, now he's showing he's an undrafted rookie. What will be, in your opinion, looking in your crystal ball, what will be the narrative after this game? They've got not one but two game records up front. So the type of – he's going to just be facing a completely different defensive game plan than what the Raiders you know, threw at him with you know, Mac on one side. We saw what he did against uh, Aiden O'Connell, so another rookie quarterback. So I think there is some, there are some ties that you can take there. I mean, the guy's been playing in the league since 2014. He knows um, the tendencies of young quarterbacks that he can capitalize on. And on the other side of that, it's Joey Bosa. So I, I'm, they're going to probably try to keep him in the pocket and try to make him go downfield. That seems like the logical uh, game plan here, considering his air yards, since there are like two passes over 10 air yards against the um, Raiders, and that's what the game plan called for. It's not that they don't have faith in him to air it out, because I know there's been some question about, like, his arm strength, and that's that was a real concern, obviously, you know, for, like, a Division two guy. That stuff doesn't always show up on tape. That's why, you know, when people are like, why wasn't, how could this guy have possibly have slipped through the cracks and gone undrafted? Well, you know, scouts want to see that stuff in person, and teams did do their investment in that, but, like, that's something I think that comes into play here is like, can he do it? Can we see that him take that next step in his progression uh, as a quarterback? Although like the quick passing game worked, I don't know why you'd want to get away from that. I don't know why Luke gets, would want to do anything other than add to what he did last week with his game plan, where he's got a quarterback who made some very decisive throws and maybe just finding ways, you know, changing route depth, changing some of the plays, around from what they did last week to, to have guys have a chance to, you know, not have to just dink and dunk your way to getting a win on the road. But I think at this point, you're, you're not, there's training wheels on for sure. You're not trying to like rip both of them off. It's kind of like what my dad used to do with my bike. We would take one training wheel off at a time um, on my big wheel on my two wheeler. And so like you get like the one side where you've got your, your, you feel completely balanced, but if you tip to the other side, I've never you've heard got of to that. figure I out how to think stay it's balanced. harder to ride a bike with only one training wheel versus two or even none. Well, why do you think I'm so good at riding a bike? That's like, a good point. I am proficient in doing this. And can you ride I a unicycle as well? Approach they have to take. Can you ride a unicycle as well? No, I can't. I mean, no. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I need to be grounded, literally. And I okay. have two wheels on the ground at all times. Um, oh, but you that was tried? how I learned. I've never tried. My ah. wife can ride a unicycle. Get out of here. I swear to God, yeah. Like, when she was a kid, like, for whatever reason, her dad brought home a unicycle one time, <laughs> and she learned how to ride a unicycle. I've never even tried, but I no, know I, I couldn't wouldn't do it. try. I wouldn't either. Most kind of yeah, crazy. I mean, those are like the people on their motorcycles, like going at like 2 a.m. down the Kennedy, like popping wheelies. Like yeah. that stuff no. scares the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was also the kid who had the giant orange flag on, from Schwinn on the back of my of bike. Course, my dad was cool. afraid I was going to get hit by cars. <laughs> so, like, I guess I was actually kind of a loser when you think of it. No, <laughs> no, no, no. One, you... one training wheel and a flag. You were a very safe child is what you were. You were a very safe child. That's what it was. I don't know with the one training wheel that's so safe. I, I, you know what? I, I could actually call DCFS and ask them whether or not that's actually <laughs> awesome. legal to do to your child. 
Uh, on a more serious note, Courtney, um, the individuals on that Chargers defense, there are some impressive names. The numbers, though, tell a different story. Like, they're dead last in pass defense, 310 yards per game. Do you believe that's more product of them playing against the Dolphins and the Chiefs and the Cowboys? Or do you believe when you see them play, there are some voids and you can make hay against them down the field? I, and I think it's the latter, of course. They got whipped up and down that field against. I mean, when you play Tyreek Hill and the yards after the catcher there, like that's what that game's going to look like. They were right there in that Dallas game. They gave that game away, yeah. and that's I think what's so frustrating about this Chargers team. Every year we play this game, we say, "Wow, look how loaded they are from top to bottom." There's, you know, they've got a great front seven, they've got a good secondary, they've got all these weapons, and then it's either health. It's attrition or it's like one unit failing at a time, the other unit's doing really well. Like that is in coaching, of course, decisions with Brand, the ones Brandon Staley has made over the last couple of years with the fourth downs and then some of those aggressive decisions not going the right way. Like all of that factors into the whole adjective of chargering, um, a really action verb of chargering. Like they do this to themselves time and again. And I think you've seen that. You know, are some of those passing numbers that they've allowed a byproduct of playing Patrick Mahomes the first right. game of the season where we can actually say we saw the Chiefs offense look as dominant as they did in 2022? Yeah, and, and certainly, you know, what the Dolphins did in week one, like that was their statement game that this is what their offense is going to look like this year. I, I just I think so much of that has to do with, you know, the the caliber of opponents that they played but also that this is a team that has not put they haven't played a complete game to save their life this year like they really have at least the bears have one complete game i think they can confident or even two in both wins you can confidently say this past week was a very complete game from uh you know from the bears perspective and i would say washington was too i don't know if you can say that about the chargers which is why this two and four record that they come in with. Like I was honestly really surprised that the line was so high and favored them by eight and a half when it came out Sunday, given the way they just lost to the chiefs and, you know, doing it at home too. Like it, it really, that game never really felt um, within their grasp. All right, let's talk trade deadline. Uh, it's Tuesday on Halloween. Are the bears more likely to sell someone? And if so, who, or are they more likely to try and buy a young pass rusher? I think at this point, well, first off, like what Ryan Poles went through last year, that's not a really a move that you can, you can pull a move like that in back-to-back years. Now that they're starting to feel good, and even like win or loss to this Chargers team, I don't think that you know, your biggest trade target right now is Jalen Johnson. The asking price can probably be is pretty high. Can you get a second-round pick for him? I mean, the guy is, is very clearly a staple on this defense and one of the better cover corners in the NFL. Um, you know, for his sake, getting those takeaway numbers and getting those interceptions last week certainly helps his case of getting paid here or somewhere else. But I don't think, I, I think that would really, really hinder things. And I know everybody wants to talk about the truth after the fact, but, you know, the months after the season ended and kind of hearing from players and, and coaches and people in this building in like the fallout from last year, like that really took a hit on the defense and really the entire locker room to trade away. And no, Robert Quinn wasn't, wasn't productive last year when he was here, but he was still a locker room guy. Um, and then of course, you know, Roquan Smith leaving here and going to do what he did in Baltimore. He had a lot of people wondering, well, what if, what if he would have stayed? What, I don't think they can make that same mistake twice. Um, and I won't 
I'll, I'll use my words a little bit more carefully. I won't call that a mistake. That was a tough decision that I think you only really can make one of those um, if you're Ryan Poles in the situation as a young general manager trying to build this thing. So with some of the names that we're hearing out there that are potentially going to be on the market, whether that's Montez Sweat, whether it's Chase Young, Brian Burns. I mean, who, some of these guys, I mean, Brian Burns in the contract situation that um, – was up in the air right at training camp for Carolina, that should be a name that's on, on a lot of teams' list. So I would imagine if, if they do something at the deadline, it's going to be adding rather than subtracting. Circling back to the offense, uh, Courtney, do you have any guess as to the progress that Justin Fields may or may not be making with regard to his, his thumb and when he potentially could be available again? Yeah, we haven't seen him. Um, that's different than last week. He was in the locker room a few times last week. He had like a purple... Um, brace thing, like on his thumb. But he was able to take it on and off. It wasn't like a hard it's cast. It's like a splint, right? A removable yeah, splint. Yeah. That's the right word. Uh, cast thing. That's my medical terminology. But Well, um, you did ride a one-wheeled bicycle quite a bit as a kid. So, you know, you may have hit your head once three, or twice. Three. To, I'm sorry. Uh, because yes. there's a training wheel. I meant one training wheel on the bike. Go yeah, ahead. a couple screws loose, a couple uh, training wheels shy of a full bike. But, um, no, I mean, I... I think what Eberflus was telling us on Wednesday that no update because I think at this point it's just a matter of needing time. If they're trying to avoid the surgery route with um, his thumb, you know, I don't know if you're necessarily going to get to a point where it's like, okay, there's literally no swelling in this thing anymore until maybe a couple weeks out. And I don't know, you've seen these injuries happen uh, for quarterbacks before and he's working on grip strength but they keep saying he's working with trainers he's doing stuff behind the scenes which we know he is um just knowing justin and that's not something he's gonna you know not belabor on to try to get himself back out there but i'm not surprised that they put the to put the like initial designation on him as being um doubtful on monday again this week because there's no point to rush him back if the thing is not completely healthy and so i would imagine you know depending on how Tyson Bajan plays again on, on Sunday. Like, if they win, then they've got a decision to make where if they want to continue to ride Tyson Bajan just for a little longer, I don't think that means Justin Fields' job security is in question, but they're trying to, like, you know, do right by the offense and also do right by the injured player to not make him feel, man, we really need you out here. Like, we need to get you back as soon as possible. They, they, they're playing it safe because you have to, because you can, and he has to play it safe, too. You can't jeopardize you know, the rest of his career because he's trying to get back out there at the midway point of the season for a team that, you know, may or may not have two or three wins by the time this weekend's over. I, I'm trying to figure out how you actually, you exercise your thumb strength. You do, like, thumb wrestle with people, or what is it? That, I'm no, trying that's to figure the last thing you do. That but would, I'm trying to figure out. It. I would think that the only thing you can really do is rest it and allow it to heal without moving it around a ton. And by the way, you know, when the weather gets bad, like holding a football with a, even if your thumb is, you're given medical clearance, it's going to suck for I, him I to once, have to grip the football. I once had to go to finger therapy. Did you really? It sucked. It was terrible. I was on this one for the Twitch crowd. Like you'll say, well, did you it didn't your, work well. By the way, did you sue your doctor? No, I'm lucky that it moves because this thing could have easily been fused and, and not moved like that was all the like. Did your was, finger surgeon have an eye patch? For those who can't see it, Courtney, and you're one of them, I, it was a 16 inch uh, softball injury, Ooh. and I had to have a pin put in there. When the pin was out, 
right now it, it it's all jacked, but I can I can bend it now and I can still use it to pick things up and that was the fear that it wouldn't be able to bend it again. It's like a pincher. You look like a lobster okay. over there. So so I had to do these like little like the therapist would hold the finger yeah. in place, and I would have to do little exercise, 10 exercises. How long do you think it would take you to get back on the field and throw a football? Well, I'm a lefty, so this is the right If hand. it was your left hand. it's uh, My point is, is like even when he's cleared, I feel bad for him because he's going to be evaluated on the ability yeah, to throw the football. It's going to hurt all year. Right. Yes. That's my point. Yes, yes. Yeah, and that's like when I asked Matt Eberflus last week, and I know that he didn't want to go into it, like, I asked him specifically, which part of the thumb did he dislocate? If it's the tip of the thumb, very different than the base of the thumb. Right. Because that's, like, that determines how much you can tape it up and, like, what the functionality is. And, you know, the longer the longer he has to sit out, it's probably trending towards something that's closer to the base of his thumb. Because that affects, that affects like, your day-to-day life and yeah. the things that you do and gripping stuff. And, um yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's, you know, for him to avoid surgery sounds like kind of a, you know, the absolute best case scenario, but you just wonder too long term yeah. is that, you know, could that hinder him in any sense? And I haven't heard anything. I'm just, you know, kind of like pontificating about that. Like how does that does he have to change his grip? Does he have to change how he does things which felt so natural to him for so long with his thumb knowing this is the first time he's dealt with something like this? Hopefully the last time he'll deal with something like this and also not putting himself in any sort of harm's way so he doesn't re-injure it because that would certainly affect his long-term viability as an NFL quarterback. Courtney, great stuff. We appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Courtney. Ride your bicycle home. Yep. Hi, I'm not doing it in this weather. Maybe tomorrow. Okay. See ya. Thanks, guys. There's Courtney Cronin. Really fun stuff. I can't believe her dad took one of her dad, training dad wheels off. That seems unconventional. Who is her dad? Evil Knievel? Has anyone else ever learned how to ride a bicycle that way? With one training wheel off, and then you can like lean on one, but you would. I, 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 we call that cruelty. Yeah. 312 332 3776. Waddle's World coming up. And then Mike Tarico, the voice of Sunday Night Football, is going to join us at four. It's that time again when we venture deep into the great unknown. And in Chicago, Tom Waddle. He can't run, he's not fast, but he gets open. A trip inside the mind of a multi-concussed former Bears wide receiver. He caught everything that was thrown and took every hit that they could give him, and he had an all-time day in the use of smelling salt. Buckle up, boys and girls. Tom Waddle, everything wants to have a Tom Waddle. If I had a football team, I'd like to have a Tom Waddle on my team because you draw from that. It's time to go inside. Waddle's World. Tom Waddle did have to use a lot of smelling salt. Oh, that's right, John. Waddle's World is brought to you by the great people, our friends and partners at Wintrust Community Banks. They are Chicago's banks. To find your nearest Wintrust Community Bank, visit Wintrust.com slash find us member FDIC. You ever had uh, a bug or anything caught in your ear? No. That's like uh, a nightmare. I see those videos when they go... Someone's in the ER and they take one of those things out and it's like I a would, big moth or something like that. I'm surprised it doesn't happen more frequently. Ooh. I am. Anyway, a spider was found inside a woman's ear. Cases are rare, doctors say, but not unheard of. I would think that these things would happen more frequently. It started with a strange sensation in her left ear, the feeling of movement, followed by incessant oh. clicking and rustling sounds. Do you ever hear like... Um, 
what do they call it? Like when you have tin- uh, tinnitus, yeah, isn't that right, what it is? Right. Ringing Clicking. in your ear? Yeah. It's ringing. Do you ever hear ringing in your ear Not every ringing, now and again? No, no. Uh-uh. Get that every now and again. Do you? You should yeah. see my guy, Dr. My Ravine. guy! I got a guy! After struggling to sleep for several nights, the 64-year-old woman in Taiwan visited an ear, nose, and throat clinic. There, doctors discovered a small spider moving about her ear canal. It had discarded its exo- exoskeleton, oh, which no. sat no- uh, nearby as well. Oh. The doctors in April used a tube to suction out the spider and the exoskeleton, wow. according to a case report in the New England Journal of Medicine. Can you imagine if the spider would lay eggs and then baby spiders would be running around in the ear? Yeah. She didn't feel pain because the spider was very small. Said Dr. Wang, the report's co-author and the director of the uh, department. Um, says this is not an, uh, a case of novelty. He has seen ants, moths, cockroaches, and mosquitoes oh, inside people's ears. But never an insect that molted inside an ear canal, I guess, which means would, you know, start to lay eggs and stuff. That's that's a nightmare for me. I, uh, I, I, I'm I telling you, I'm shocked. Every now and again, like, I'll feel something. I don't know if it's maybe ear earwax that is moving around in my ear. But immediately, I'll start to think that something got into my ear canal. And I'll start to freak out. And I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm shocked that it doesn't happen more frequently. Shocked. They make these uh, things now, instruments, where you could attach it, like, to an app on your phone. And you can see down your ear. What? Yeah. It's got a little camera on it. And then you can scoop whatever's in your ear out. I don't Instead like to play it. doctor myself, especially oh, with my yeah. ear canals. Yeah, you don't. You do Not surgery. With my ears. You do surgery on people. Surgery is a strong, strong word to use. Not surgery. But I have procedures. I think there have been procedures. Ask Jeff Meller. I relieved mm-hmm. a ton of pressure in his thumbnail or his toenail. Yeah, but you don't like to play doctor. Guess what city has been uh, voted the best city in the United States to be a vampire? Transylvania. That's not in the United States. I know you're a geography major, so no, you were just joking. What, what would be the best city in the United States to be a vampire? I don't even it's know. It's really what, one of the dumbest stories I've ever read, yeah, but it like, was worth bringing to the table. It's got to be somewhere where it's dark the longest, right? So somewhere up north. Because the vampire you. you are you should if you weren't, you know, an award-winning broadcaster and the voice and the voice of the bears, you should have gone into the voice of the bears. You should nor be a detective. You should have been a Bismarck, detective. Bismarck, North Dakota. No, no, not true. Where? Where? Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. It's, so it's it's a vania. Does it have to be a vania? I, that I'm not sure of. Like Transylvania, Among the key metrics in the report, Pittsburgh ranked number one for historical and annual average percentage of sunshine, the least, the least amount of sunshine that Pittsburgh had. By the way, are you going to uh, dress up for Halloween? No. Do you have any plans for Halloween? No. Will you escort the kids line. around? No, because it's it's usually dark by the time I get home, and the trick or treat hours are done. In the community. They have the strict trick-or-treat hours in the community. What are the kids going to dress up as? My uh, oldest is Christian McCaffrey. Really? Yes, he's going to... Christian McCaffrey got a 49ers jersey, and he's got a... uh, 
the the muscle uh, the muscle suit the muscle kinda. suit yeah. yeah and I'm not sure what Braxton is going as I, he hasn't asked for anything I'm not sure though really not that sure. surprises me I would figure that he would be uh, he would give you something really interesting. If they're listening, they were at the doctor's office. Oh, really? For what? They had a half day. I don't. I think they're the allergies bugs taken out of their ears. They had their shots the other day. At least the flu shot. Braxy freaked out. How's he doing? I hey, thought it was Mason now. that didn't like. Shots. No, Mason's great with the shots. Is he? Yeah, he's fantastic. Braxton freaks out. Really? Yeah. Man up, Braxton. Let's go. Yeah, that's what I told Man him. Man up. Uh, the NCAA is actually at Michigan. For their sign-stealing investigation, sources say. And NCAA enforcement staff has been at the University of Michigan this week to look into sign-stealing the probe. According to ESPN, the arrival of the enforcement crew from the NCAA just a week after the investigation formally launched. And an indication of the priority the case has taken, of course. The Big Ten confirmed last week that the NCAA was investigating allegations of sign-stealing. Sounds now like they've... Uh, don't you remember when a source confirmed to ESPN that the NCAA has begun to search the electronics of Michigan football staff mm. members, which was first reported by the Detroit News? Is this going to Remember when you said yesterday that maybe um, Dominique Foxworth suggested that maybe there was something else there? Right. Because, like, everyone steals signs Is was his thing. So most people's thought was... They're making too big of a deal over this. That was just so, Saturday, right? Yeah, so Foxworth thought was, since this is getting a big deal was being made about it, the, his thought was, there's got to be something else that we don't know. Tyler, what else did you say? Like, there's an allegation that not only were they doing it for themselves, they were doing it with other for others? Yeah, that they were. So, they, of course, were. The allegations are that they were advanced scouting, not just the Big Ten, but also potential playoff opponents. So, they were advanced scouting in the SEC with Georgia and also Tennessee, who, if you remember at the time last year, was hovering around a playoff spot they could have potentially gotten in. And one of Harbaugh's assistants, I believe when he was at Stanford, was on the South Carolina staff, and the allegations are that they were assisting South Carolina for their game against Georgia to try to give them the signs. And then there's also uh, some evidence, too, that for the first time all year, South Carolina players were wearing wristbands that may or may not have had the, the signs that they were being sent in from the sideline. So South Carolina goes down too, then, right? Not just Michigan. Yeah. South Carolina's head coach has gotten in trouble for accepting advanced scouting before as Is well. Is that Beamer? Yep, Frank Beamer or Shane Beamer. Yeah. Shane Beamer. Uh, anyway, once the NCAA investigation ends and a notice of allegations is sent, Michigan would have 90 days to respond according to the NCAA bylaws. That would mean if the investigation ended this week, which is virtually impossible, Michigan would not be required to respond until well, well after the college football playoff. Any action this season would have to come from the Big Ten as the league has a sportsmanship policy that includes the authority for Commissioner Tony Petiti to take disciplinary action. And remember, Tony Petiti's their new commissioner who came from MLB, where they had themselves a little sign some, stealing. <laughs> some sort yeah. of a sign stealing. Like the Big Ten, if you do that, 
You are then, you know, maybe possibly taking a Big Ten team out of the college football playoff situation. Do you want to do that? I want to Think say... long and hard, Mr. Petiti. I want to say that when Rob Manford used to join us, and the one time in 16 when he was in, in this studio, that Tony Petiti was outside with him. That he uh, was I think so. there. Yeah. That he was his right-hand Making man. Making sure. Yeah. Making sure that we didn't ask him anything inappropriate. Speaking of uh, the Astros, and that's what you were re- referencing, uh, Dusty has officially announced his retirement. Danny threw a party upstairs. Do you think he, Do you think he'll be tempted to come back in a couple of years? Uh, I think it's 74, probably not. Well, probably uh, Tony just came go. back when he was 78. And how'd that go? Uh, the first year they won the division, didn't they? Were you happy with it? And it was 10 years afterwards. I mean, uh, don't be shocked. Who you got, Bucks or Bills tonight? Uh, Bills. It's a it's a big number, too, isn't it? Like, Nine and a half. I got burnt on a big number in Minnesota on Monday night. Steele's batting averages are both up in the first Major League Baseball postseason with the new rules. Not surprised. Yeah. So the new rules have done kind of what they expected them to do. Okay, when we come back, I've got a story about Goldie Hawn that I'd like to share with you. A Goldie Hawn story. Is it first Goldie Hawn story? I think we've ever had a Goldie Hawn story. That's coming up next. Waddle and Sylvie are back. Are back. Follow the show on Twitter at Waddle and Sylvie and at TWaddle87. This is ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Uh, and before we get back to the nonsense of the Goldie Hawn story that I promised you, I want to let everybody know that a very important event will be taking place this weekend at Soldier Field. The Susan G. Komen World's Leading Breast Cancer Organization is hosting the 2023 Chicago Race for the Cure this Saturday at Soldier Field, where thousands of individuals, including family and friends, will come together to celebrate breast cancer survivors to honor those who have passed away from the disease and to raise critical funds that will support research and critical support services for breast cancer patients, including research financial assistance, screening and diagnostics and patient navigation services. For more information, to sign up, maybe register to run or to to donate, visit uh, their website at Komen.org slash Chicago Race. And I know as a cancer survivor yourself, you support every single cause that is paying attention to this horrible disease. Uh, absolutely. All the information get right there. Of course, uh, make sure you go and you get your checkup as well, men and women. Um, it's such a important thing to do, and it's important to continue to fight for cancer research. So one day... We will not have to uh, continue to raise money. Amen. Uh, the story was Goldie Hahn, who has in her career been very active and very supportive in certain causes like this uh, and trying to raise money for, for cancer research. She says an alien uh, touched her and it felt like the finger of God when it happened. Really? Yes. Says she may have had a very close encounter with a, th- uh, uh, with a third kind. She claims an alien once touched her. Uh, in a podcast, Time to Walk features guest speakers talking about their lives and experience. Recent episodes saw Goldie talk about her extraterrestrial encounter. She claims that rather than being ambushed by little green men, she had in fact asked aliens to visit her and they responded and they did. Wow, she, she, it was a request. Yes. 
The Star's Now 77 revealed the incident happened in her 20s when she was living in California at a time where there were a lot of UFO sightings. She says, I went outside my door and I sat on the little ledge and I looked up at the dark sky and all I saw were these stars. And all I could think of was, are we the only planet in the whole wide universe that has life on it? She said she called out to any aliens listening, saying she knows we're not alone and I would like to meet one of you one day. She wanted to be the first person to tell her story. Uh, And just four months later, she was settling down for a nap in a friend's car while working as a dancer. And she heard a high frequency in her ear. She claimed she then saw three triangular-shaped heads, silver in color, with a tiny little nose, no ears, and a slash for a mouth. The aliens were pointing at me, discussing me like I was a subject. She said she was unable to move, but the aliens touched me, and it felt like the finger of God. Are you are you believing it? I mean, this is when she was in her 20s, so this probably when? In the 60s or the 70s? Yeah. So this is when a lot of drug use was probably going around Hollywood? Oh, so you're saying that this was Why? maybe a hallucination? Well, what do you think? I mean, uh, are listen, you buying it? I'm not, I'm not one to call Goldie Hawn a liar. I'm not either. I'm asking you, what do you think? All of a sudden now we're hearing about this? I'm not calling her a liar. selling the book? Is it, that why we're getting this? It is a... It is... It's a difficult story to process and believe, but I'll believe her if that's what she says. I have no reason not to believe her. I believe they're out there. Do you believe that people have had experiences like that? Real experiences. If you believe that they are out there, yes. then why wouldn't you believe that there have been experiences? You think they just sit in the stands and watch ball games? Well, she hit it for 50 years. Maybe she was uncomfortable talking about it. Is she, and maybe not just her. Is she selling a book? You didn't I don't answer. think so. Is this coming so. up because she's promoting uh, a book? And well, we'll get I to that later. I don't think so. By uh, the way, do you really think that you, you think that they would be here, but you they wouldn't have contact with individuals? I don't know. I don't know. Again, I don't have not, any answers. They're not sitting in the bleachers at Wrigley watching Cubs games. I know. They could be amongst. They could be among us. Who knows? You could be working with one. E.T. phone home. Uh, would you rather get those in? Hashtag at WS. Would you rather send them to Tyler Aki at Tyler Aki underscore on Twitter? You can also send them to Charlie Bevins. What is it? C. Bevins? Where are you at? C.R. Bevins 11. C.R. Bevins 11. Why did you make it so complicated on your Twitter handle? That's my bad. C.R. Bevins 11. And uh, Mike Tarico is going to join us next. Is Sunday Night Football going to make the Bajan story a big deal this uh, game against the Chargers? We'll talk to Tariko coming up next.